Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Did you know that you can claim CME credits for many of the TMA Practice Well podcast episodes? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash CME to go. That's www.texmed.org forward slash CME T-O-G-O, to register for your episode and follow the instructions to claim CME. Policies and standards at the Texas Medical Association, the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, and the American Medical Association require that speakers and planners for continuing medical education activities disclose any relevant financial relationship they may have with commercial entities whose products devices, or services may be discussed in the context of the CME activity. The planners and speakers for this program have nothing to disclose. Please be advised that the information and opinions presented as part of this program should not be used or referred to as primary legal sources and does not replace the advice of your healthcare attorney nor should the information and opinions presented as part of this program be construed as establishing medical standards of care for the purposes of litigation, including expert testimony. The standard of care is dependent upon the particular facts and circumstances of each individual case, and no generalization can be made that would apply in all cases. Hello, I'm Terry Diebler, a TMA practice management consultant, and I will be your guest host for this episode. I have over 25 years of experience managing medical practice operations and creating high-functioning teams. I've led teams in small one-doctor practices, as well as large teams with 18 physicians and more than 100 support staff members. I am excited about the many ways we can help our members at TMA but I'm especially passionate about helping Texas physicians reach their goals and create an environment that fosters compassion, efficiency, and excellence. Creating a high-functioning team doesn't have to be a challenge and can be so rewarding when it happens organically and you're working amongst a great team of professionals. This environment is rewarding to everyone, the physician, the staff, and especially the patients who perceive this as the quality of care. In this episode, I'm going to give you several tips to get you started. First, it's important that you evaluate whether or not you have the right people on the team to start with. Too many times I see doctors who reward loyalty over competence. Though loyalty is important, it's more important that the person have the skills to do the job. Otherwise, they may not be a long-term fit on the team. It doesn't mean they're not a fit at all but maybe their skills are more suited for another position within the practice. The result of that's a win-win. I remember years ago taking a position as a billing department manager for a large orthopedic group. The previous manager was hoping to stay with the practice. She was a certified coder and a huge asset to the practice. 
However, she did not have the right skills to manage a large billing team. Luckily, I was able to keep her on the team in the role she did best, and to this day, we correspond. Just because she was redirected in her role with the practice didn't mean an unhappy ending. Getting started. Post open positions internally as well as externally. This lets the team know they have opportunities within the practice, so they don't have to look elsewhere to make a change if they're looking for one. So let's talk about recruiting a new team member. The best referrals from outside the organization are from your own team. I used to pay an incremental recruiting bonus to my team for successful hires. No one refers someone they wouldn't put their money behind. If the referral is from a great staff member, you can bet they'll likely refer someone who's also great. Not always, but most times. It also tells you that the current team member is happy in their position or they wouldn't refer someone to the practice. At the new hire's 90 days, the referring team member is paid one half of the bonus. And after a successful annual review of the new hire, the team member who referred them is paid the second half of the bonus. Have a referral bonus policy in place to ensure everyone receives fair and equal treatment. Now, if you're not able to recruit from within, here's what you need to do to begin your external search. Make sure your job posting stands out to the applicant over everyone else's posting. Update your website with open positions and your company benefits. This way, an applicant has an idea of what they'll be getting if they're hired. See to it that your brand is obvious. This conveys to the applicant that this is an organization who is delivered in their vision. Use opening lines such as, we are looking for the best and brightest to join our already awesome team. Wouldn't you be attracted to an ad like this? Depending on the site you use to advertise your open position, you can have the applicant take basic skills tests such as customer service, medical terminology, and such. Or you can explain that you want your response to have a tagline in it such as a subject line saying BNB. These tools are to weed out those who didn't really read your posting or don't have attention to detail or don't have the basic skills for the job. Your ad has posted on the site and now you have some resumes to review. Look for typos and spelling errors. These are signs of not having attention to detail. This is not someone you'd want on a high functioning team. Do they have the experience, the certifications? Do they hop from one job to another every year? Even if they don't have experience in healthcare, they may have customer service skills that would translate to your call center or your front desk. If they have a strong foundation, you can train them in the hard skills if they already have the soft skills, which are harder to find. Hard skills are teachable and measurable abilities, such as reading, writing, math, and computer skills. Soft skills are part of their personality such as interpersonal skills, leadership, and listening. You've reviewed the resumes and have a few qualified candidates. Now it's time to call or video check with the candidates who have made it past all the previous review. Is this someone you want representing you on the phone or in person? Do they smile? Are their word choices positive or negative? Can they give specific examples to your questions? Ask the candidates for the skills and knowledge that are important to you and your specialty. For example, if you're a pediatrician, it's probably important that your clinical assistant be very familiar with the immunization schedule. Or if you're an endocrinologist, it might be important that your assistant be able to properly educate your patients 
on how to perform at home glucose testing. Have written screening questions prepared and make it a formal document to be used when screening all candidates. This allows you to compare apples to apples. The next step after the call or video screening is the one I find to be the most valuable to me as a hiring manager. It's about evaluating if this person can do the job at the level I need them to. Even if they've had years of experience at their previous job, can they think outside the box? Can they think for themselves? Will they be able to develop their skills into another role within the practice? The tool I use to help evaluate this is an aptitude test. This can be the Wonderlic test or the Ramsey test or any other online aptitude test. This tool for me is important because I don't waste the candidate's time nor my time interviewing someone who does not have the innate ability to perform at the level I need for the position. I'm not trying to put a round peg in a square hole. Of course, this will not tell you their personality fit or their dependability or their work ethic, which are also important to know before you hire. The aptitude test will only help you decide if they can do the job. It will let you know if they're under or overqualified for the job. If you have someone testing in the range of an administrator, yet they're applying for an entry-level job, you might wonder why, or you might wonder how long they'll want to stay in the position for which you're hiring. Perhaps you have another opening for which they might be better suited. Give skills assessments that are applicable to the position. For example, revenue cycle questions for billing department applicants insurance and demographic questions for front desk staff. You've tested the candidates to get the best and the brightest. What's next? Well, it's time to bring those candidates in for an in-person interview. Within the email invitation to interview with the candidate, send them a job description. You can review the job description with them at their interview. They should know what's expected. Don't try to do these interviews within tight time constraints or in a rush. Important to remember is that you want to do more listening than talking at these interviews. You want to get to know as much as you can about the candidate. Ask questions and then be quiet. Ask for real-life scenarios and how they responded or handled the situation. Say, tell me about a time when a patient refused to sign the notice of privacy policy. How did you respond or handle it? Ask them about interactions with patients, coworkers, and supervisors. Ask what you'll know about them in six months that you don't know about them today. Ask them what they want to be doing in one year or five years. These answers can be very enlightening. If someone's planning to go back to school full-time in less than a year, it's probably not advantageous to invest 90 days in training for the position, only to do it again by year's end. Do not ask their age or about their marital status or whether they have children. Do not ask what religion or ethnicity they are. Check the episode description for a link to access helpful interview question guidelines. These are very important for being compliant with labor law. If a candidate reveals this information on their own, you're safe. Instead of asking how old they are, you can ask if hired, are they able to furnish proof that they're over the age of 18? Instead of asking if they have children, you can ask if they have a good support system in place to be able and available to work the required hours for the position. You can ask if they will need accommodations to do the job. So you have completed your interviews and you're jazzed about two or three candidates. 
Now it's time to ask those candidates to come back and meet the team. These are not working interviews, which are a different thing entirely and not really encouraged at the Texas Workforce Commission unless you plan to pay the candidate. These team interviews are an opportunity for the candidate to ask questions about the practice, the job, and management, and for your team to get to know the candidate and decide if this person will be a culture fit. For the most part, the candidate or new hire will spend more time with the team than with you, so the team should have input. Sometimes I've found that someone on the team already knew the candidate, maybe from a previous job, and they can enlighten you about how that person performed there. Get approval from the team members before putting the interviews on their schedule. Show respect for their time, but let them know how important their input is to the process. Request everyone give you their feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. At the end of the team interviews, get the candidates' feedback as well. What did they learn? Do they have questions or concerns about what they saw or heard while meeting with the team? Do they think this would be a great place to work? If you and the team have made a decision, make an offer in writing, but make sure there's language indicating this is not a contract and that Texas is an at-will employment state. Let the candidate know in the offer letter that the offer is contingent on satisfactory results from their reference and background checks and drug screening if you require that. Pay them what they're worth. Every position has a value. Do your homework and see what the position pays and make sure you're not below or way above for your particular market. Include the position title, a start date, required dress or uniform, their compensation, and any benefits such as health insurance, paid time off, continuing education, 401k, in the offer letter. Have a space for them to sign and return it to you along with the authorization for the background check. Be flexible about start dates. Anyone who is great is worth waiting for. Always check references and conduct background checks. Most background checks require dates of birth and social security information. You can't ask for this information until the candidate has accepted the offer, which is why the background checks are done after and not before the offer. Use a third-party background check screening company who can also do reference checks. Although personal calls to professional references were an excellent source for an honest opinion of the candidate, we discourage this type of reference check in order to avoid litigation that could arise from a negative reference. When ordering a background check, you'll want to verify their social security number, address, and name histories, as well as any criminal history in counties in which they lived and worked. You'd probably not want to hire someone who will handle or manage money if they have a criminal history for theft or embezzlement. If you're hiring a clinical professional, check the OIG website for any exclusions. Check the Board of Nursing website for any sanctions and to make sure their license is current. Congratulations, you have a new team member. Now, how do you get them to perform at a high level, be and stay engaged, and assimilate to the team? The answer isn't easy or the same for everyone, but the short answer is communicate often. To start, have a formal written employee handbook and a formal orientation plan. If you don't have an employee handbook, TMA gives you access to an employee handbook that's free for members and customizable for your practice. A link to this handbook is included in the episode description. It's a bonus if you put links in your orientation document that can be emailed to the new team member 
and will take them directly to training videos or other documents they'll need during their onboarding. Let them know you want and expect feedback about how it's going for them and that you have an open door policy. Let them know they will have a formal 90-day evaluation and what that will look like and that they can expect an annual evaluation with a self-evaluation component. Make sure you're timely and consistent about these evaluations. They don't have to be exactly on their work anniversary, but they should be within the month. High-functioning team members want and need feedback in the form of evaluations. Let them know you give praise publicly and constructive criticism in private. Make sure you do. Here are a few pointers for their first day or week. If you have branded items such as pens, cups, or mugs, or polo shirts, put them in a gift bag for a pretty presentation on their first day. Plan a welcome lunch with the team during the first week. Get the paperwork and regulatory tasks out of the way first thing. Have a mentor within the practice assigned to the new hire. It doesn't have to be their trainer. It just needs to be someone who's willing to touch base every day for a few months with the new hire to answer any questions they might have. Sit down with the new hire at the end of the first week. Give feedback and get their feedback. Meet once a week for the first month and then one or two times the second month and then the formal 90-day evaluation. My evaluation form is a place for the new hire to fill in what they need to better help them succeed. Make sure they have all the tools they need to do the job. These evaluations must be a two-way street to really have a team mentality. Now let's talk about how you cultivate and retain these high-functioning team members. Again, I cannot stress enough the need to communicate. I don't think any of us is a mind reader. What they don't hear from you, they may hear from someone else on the team, and that information often gets lost in translation, like the telephone game. In the end, that information may not be true or may be stale information. When people feel like they know the rules and the rules are applied consistently and applied to everyone on the team, this takes the stress away of not knowing what's happening. Have regular staff meetings, say the second Tuesday of the month. These meetings can be scheduled for the year and then everyone knows well in advance and can come prepared. Solicit agenda items from the team a few days before the meeting. This way you can be prepared and use the time well. Let them present on the topic if they know the material. Sometimes a team member needs to come out of their shell, and this is a great way to showcase their knowledge. Let the team know these meetings are not gripe sessions. Meetings are a time to share information and problem solve if necessary. Have the meetings when it's most convenient for them, which could be lunchtime or first thing in the morning by delaying patient time by one hour. Buy them lunch or breakfast and pay them for their time. Make the meetings a positive experience. Several years ago, I took a week-long course at the GE Learning Center on CAP, which is Change Acceleration Process, and Workout, which are smaller problems that can be solved quickly. That week gave me meeting tips and tools that helped to foster a team problem-solving environment. Here are a few of those tips. I used to start the meeting with everyone sharing attaboys or kudos about what went great the last few weeks. And I would end the meeting with a raffle for a prize like a $5 gift card for coffee or an extra 30 minutes for lunch. Have post-it notes all over the meeting table. Place a big plus sign on one side of a whiteboard or a gigantic post-it page placed on the wall by the exit door. 
draw a line down the center of the page and put a delta sign on the other half of the page. Ask the team to fill out a post-it with what they liked about the meeting to be placed on the plus side and what they would have changed about the meeting to be placed on the delta side. This information should be reviewed by you or the meeting host in order to improve the meetings and make them more productive. Always include the team in ways to improve and problem solve with everyday operational issues. They are the front line, and they usually know how to solve the problem. When the solutions always come from a higher out, they perceive to be in the ivory tower, it makes less of an impact. High-functioning employees want to be heard. I remind them that I only hire the best and the brightest, so I know they're the brains I want to pick for solutions. Doesn't that sound like a way of letting your team know you can count on them to get it right? Meet regularly one-on-one with your high performers. Don't have the attitude that no news is good news or the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You want to make sure the high performers know how valuable they are. Catch them doing something great. Here's a tip for what you can do when you catch them. I kept a supply of small denomination gift cards in my pocket. When you see them doing something, even if it's small, like helping a patient fill out a form or assisting their coworker with a task that might be daunting, give them the gift card and let everyone around them know what they did. Who doesn't like to be recognized in front of their peers? It will foster more positive behavior. Invest in their continued education. There are online subscriptions that are not cost prohibitive and to which everyone has access. Make sure your teams continually train so they are the experts in your specialty. When a patient asks a question, they should feel like the person they ask knows what they're talking about. Wouldn't that give you a real sense of security if you're a patient? When I would get patient reviews in my practice, the one thing I loved to hear was how professional and informed my staff was. As administrator of mostly surgical practices, one being ophthalmology, I found that outcomes weren't as important as patient experiences. If the team made the patient feel like they were in the best hands possible, both from a skills and compassion perspective, then they were less likely to be upset if we couldn't get them to 20-20 vision after cataract surgery. Reward good behavior such as perfect attendance. Nothing is more disruptive to the team than an unplanned absence. I gave a small gift every month for perfect attendance and kept a spreadsheet with the names each month. At the end of the year, I gave one raffle ticket for every month of perfect attendance. Then I picked a winner at a team ice cream social. The winner received a prize for their dependability. If someone had perfect attendance for the entire year, they too got a prize. It was a great motivator and a lot of fun. But remember, the prize will need to be taxed as income. Be creative with incentives. We had a billing person who had reached the top of the salary grade level for her position. However, she was using the toll road to commute to work faster, and this was quite expensive. We decided to bonus her for one year's worth of tolls. She was very grateful. Be as flexible as you can be without causing a hardship to the practice. This goes a long way. Do fun things. Here are four things you can do that don't cost very much and have a big impact on the fun factor. Have theme days such as luau's where they can add something tropical themed to their uniform. Give everyone a lay, including the patients. They love it. 
have a pumpkin carving contest and display them in the lobby for patients to vote on the winners. Have a crazy socks day. Have a Mexican food potluck for Cinco de Mayo. As I discussed earlier, be timely with their evaluations. I tell managers that no team member should be surprised by what you tell them in their annual evaluation. If they are surprised, then you didn't do your job, which is to communicate. Stay tuned for another podcast episode with a focus on staff evaluations and performance improvement coaching. Set the example of high standards yourself. Be on time. Come to work when scheduled. Leave your personal baggage at the door. Be prepared for the day. Be positive. Create a safe place to fail as long as they learn from you the failure and don't repeat it. No one is perfect. In closing, when people know they're working with other high-performing people who are held equally accountable, they're willing to put themselves out to accomplish a team goal. If the work is not rewarding and they don't feel valued, they will look elsewhere. Don't let your high performers get away. Thank you for listening. Remember to click the link to get the additional tools I mentioned. I hope you found this episode beneficial. To receive more helpful tips, like and follow TMA Practice Well podcast. Until next time, stay well. <laughs>